myself out. I am afraid of I'm terrified and paralyzed by I am deathly afraid of Welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast with your host, me, Ryan Perio. Hello, and welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Perio. This week, my guest is comedian MJ Moody. MJ is a 10-year comedy veteran as well as a good friend of mine and a proud Navy veteran. In this episode, me and MJ talk a lot about comedy. And then we get into his unique fear, well, unique to outsiders, maybe not so new to comics, of bombing in front of loved ones, friends, and family that that really, you know, kind of you're trying to prove it to the most. It's a really good fear. So let's get into that episode right now with MJ Moody. All right. My guest this week is veteran comic MJ Moody. I just learned that his M stands for Mike. I had no idea what the M and MJ stood for. I've always just called him MJ Moody. He's he is a regular feature here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He's currently touring on the road with Cowboy Bill Martin, or now known as just Bill William Lee Martin. He's a touring headliner across the country with a merch bin that is the size of <laughs> a closet, basically. Like it is a yeah, big small car. streamer trunk Yeah, that has a light-up picture and his logo and... A ta- it comes the front the the lid comes off as a table, which I yep. thought was really cool. Yeah, this guy's a marketing genius. <laughs> so MJ, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So you're currently in Naples. Where how where all have you been in Florida so far? Where where have the tour stops been? Uh, we the first first stop we hit was Orlando. Um, and the next stop we hit was, uh, what was that? Um, then we did, uh, yeah, we did, did the Orlando improv and then we went to West Palm beach, um, did that improv. And now we're in Naples, um, doing, we have five shows here in Naples. After that, we're going to hit Gainesville. And after that, we're doing San Antonio. Well, that's awesome. Cool. So far, which one's been your favorite club so far? Uh, so far I would say Orlando improv, um, the really, really nice club. Um, the West Palm sits 500. It's huge. Still nice club. I, so I, I like them all. Naples is the, uh, Naples. It's a, it's, mo- it's like a bar. It's more like a bar, but I would say my best was Orlando. Cause, um, we had a weird crowd member. First time I've been doing this for 10 years. The first time I've been asked to sign a boob. A boob? Yeah. This lady was drunk and she said, uh, I love your set. Could you please sign my boob? She pulls up a shirt. And asked me to sign. And uh, I was shocked. I'm like, with all this Me Too movement going on, you're going to really ask me to do this? So after I signed it, I sold a merch. That's awesome. Well, congratulations on your first <laughs> breast signing. She's going to be, uh, I think she's going to give up drinking because uh, it was permanent Sharpie. Some some things that just are, some stains are just meant to stay. as <laughs> Some yeah. stains just last a lifetime. <laughs> a lifetime, man. Crazy people, man. I'm glad you're having fun. Florida is kind of crazy. The Orlando Improv always looks gorgeous because it's like it seems like it's a small, narrow stage, but it's like almost yep. in the center of the room. It feels like you're almost like it feels like you're almost in an R&B song. Like you have that little walkout almost, like that little walkout stage, 
and then the yeah, crowd is yeah. right there to your side. Right, right, right. It's more in, to me. It's more intimate. Um, the West Palm Beach one. It reminds me more of like Randy's Plano's Club. You had. It's mm-hmm. more wide open. Okay. And so, how long have you been doing stand up now, MJ? Uh, about ten years now. Ten years. What is? What do you think? What's been your signature moment in those ten years? What has like been? If you were to retire today, considered your crown jewel. Like, what is your crown jewel achievement? A crown jewel achievement. Crown jewel achievement. Um, I would say being on stage and uh, handling a heckler. I uh, came up with my came up with my best tag. Uh, you know, I always try and when I make a joke, I always try to I always try to say, okay, how can somebody help with this and be prepared for a response. So one day I was doing the Texas joke, you know, saying, you know, Texas too big. And somebody actually got upset and said, hey, if you don't like Texas, why don't you leave? And I tell this joke now to this day. And I responded with him. I tried, but I ran out of gas. And the crowd just roared. The crowd just went crazy over that response. Mm-hmm. I'm like, OK, I'm saving this as a tag. So sometimes you get your best tags from being actually on the job. Yeah, I, I feel like you've made that a bit. Like, I feel like that's one of your bits now. It's talking like your road trip with your kids. Like, that's yep. yep. evolved into it. It's own, like, that little, like, comeback is now involved into its one, uh, a bit that you talk about driving across vacation with your kids and you're still in Texas after yep. five hours. Yeah, it never ends. It sure doesn't. That is, that's awesome. Well, that's, that's amazing. I, some people, you know, it's always like someone they perform with. It's always interesting to hear when I talk to comics, what they consider like their, their crowning achievement and stand up. Some people like you have like the personal goal of doing something that they never thought they could ever do. Other people, it's like, man, I work with someone I always looked up to. And they also turned out to be, you know, everything I thought they would be not like some, because you always get that nervousness when you work with somebody you look up to that is this guy going to be like an a-hole? Is this going to be the, hey. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, I've been blessed. Um, the head, I've worked with uh, Stephen Michael Casada. I worked with Steve, uh, what's that, Chris Kattan, uh, Billy D. Um, so, some, some pretty big name acts. And everybody I've worked with so far, knocking on wood has been very graceful and nice. I, I haven't worked with anybody, but you know, you do have those nerves though, because you want to impress them as well. Yeah. Every comic thinks, I want to make him say to me like, dude, you." everybody wants to headline and walk up to him and like, I love your set. I want you to come with me and tour with me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, I have yet to have, I've had, well, I've actually had a couple guys like ask me to go on tour. It's never really panned out. I think they just haven't had the, Either they have just completed a tour that they would have loved to have taken me on, or it's just something that by the time they start it, I am a long memory. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I've I I I I do love those things and I also just like to make impression for the club. Like I never want a headliner to feel like he has to bring his own opener because he doesn't believe you know he does i feel every time a headliner brings their own guys it's they they just don't like you know they just don't have faith in the local talent and yeah and i want to showcase that this is one uh, i would say the best comedy city in texas i will put that against austin i'll go against austin i'll go against houston i'll go against el paso i'll go against I'll, i'll go through all of them all of them lined up 
And I will yeah. still say the top five in this city will beat the top five. Yep, I'll agree with you. I think DFW is a great area for comedy. I think that it's a great learning point, uh, learning place, a good uh, launching pad for a lot of careers. There's a lot of talent here. And uh, um, I enjoyed opening for a while at Hyenas and enjoyed, and enjoyed, enjoyed uh, featuring mm-hmm. as well. But it's two different jobs, I see. I understand the job of opening is like, as an opener, we think it's about us, but it's not about us. It's about setting the tone for the yeah. next guy. Make sure that guy doesn't have to work because headliners and features hate to have to dig a hole, dig yourself out of a hole. Yeah. I, yeah. And they, and, and it, it does get back to, I guess, management or to the headliner because you'll never see that headliner again, or they'll go through a different club yep. instead. And so, yeah, I, I totally agree. I, it's a different when I talk to vendors because usually a lot of the comics I talk to are like the real newbies. And so it's always real fun to kind of see where they're at and to see what they say. You know, like they're just yeah. they're just getting their feet wet and maybe aren't ready to host just yet. And what I always yeah. tell them is like, it's no shame in not being ready. Like it's not yeah. it does it. There's no timeline. It's not a sprint or a marathon. It's a journey. Like everybody says it's a marathon. I'm like, it's not even a marathon. It's just a journey. Yep. Yep. Yep, it's a journey. It is. I was like, there's really no finish line. Like you, you may not even know when you're done. You know, you just, yeah. you just may be looking around like, hey, where's, where is all the, where all the gigs have gone? Yeah, and, and you know, I uh, had an epiphany not too long ago. The fact that I was looking up to a particular comedian, and I found out this particular comedian was not where he wanted to be, and now I'm working with with you know some some other big comedians and finding out they're not where they want to be and a lot of times we want to be in other people's shoes but not realizing that they're trying to get to a destination they're not finishing so um you got to define your destination before you start your journey because if not you'll be chasing the illusion for your whole life yeah and it's just, it's it's just a it's a constant struggle and you're all and there's no guidelines or anything it's kind no. of you kind of try to either mimic what other people's success has been. Like if they've done social media, maybe I need to do more social media. Yeah. But, but that's a big question. What is success? Like what is the definition of success? And that's, and that's the key point that I, I had to look at myself. Cause I'm like, Mike, where, where are you, well, MJ, where are you going with this? Where, you know, where are you trying to end up? You know, cause uh, we'll look at somebody thinking they're successful and that person is like successful. I'm I'm just out here grinding. I'm not where I want to be. So this is not success for me. But for for us, you know, the the little fish, I say the guppies are looking up like, man, you're a big yeah. fish. And 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 it's a difference. That's one thing I've told to another comic who had just been opening like a year, like a a couple months into his first stint of opening. And he's like pu- pulling out like I I, you know, I suck at comedy. I hate this. I I don't understand. <laughs> and I'm like I'm like, look, you're getting booked now. You can't have these sob story posts because you're getting you're you're now a comic getting work. I was like, there's a yeah. there, once you're once this you go pro, you can't sit there and and have this woe is me. I I wish I was better at comedy things because there are about a hundred comics right now that would love to be. In your yep. position, 
Like, yep. let me even be booked, let alone booked on a, at a comedy club. I was like, you yep. can't, you, your, your other bookers and other people are going to see that and be like, in, and, and not book you because they're just, you don't, they don't want somebody that needs constant reassurance about their set. Right. I've had, I've had a couple openers do that. Like I, I you know, I guess I'm going to bomb again, man. I, you know, I just hate, you know, hate bombing. Everybody hates bombing, but you can't just sit there. And say that all the time, especially as somebody that gets work, you've just got to keep it to where it's work. You don't tell your yep. office, man, I got so drunk last night. You know, you don't you don't tell people you know, every you can tell people everything, but you don't have to give them specifically everything. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. You can exactly. say I had a, you can have a rough night, but you don't tell them, man, I r- just really suck at comedy. I just feel like my jokes <laughs> are not. And I'm like, you can't, it's that you, you get work. So if you, I get that you're, I was like, we're all hungry. I was like, don't, don't get it twisted. That's another pet peeve of mine is comics that'll approach me and like, man, guys, you don't know how hard, you know, how hard I've, I'm, I'm, I'm grinding at this. I'm like, you're, we're all grinding as hard as we can. It's like, nobody's, nobody's here just to do it as a hobby. Yeah. No and, one, and, and, and. And it's timing too. A lot of this stuff is timing. Uh, um, sometimes the timing is off. I mean, because I remember being a young comic trying to uh, impress Patricia Sweeney, I think was her name, that, that was in charge of Hyannis. And I was just a young buck and I was just an open micer and I was overlooked. And I'm not going to say I was overlooked because of uh, something mean. I wasn't ready. I was open micer and I had to pay my dues. I had to to keep going to the open mics. And I'm talking about leaving open mics at one o'clock in the morning and, uh, and, you know, and being there the next Wednesday, same thing, leaving at one o'clock in the morning, all of a sudden I started getting booked earlier. They started getting name recognition they started recognizing my face. And next thing you know, I, I get a call that, Hey, they want you to open. And so it's just being consistent. So, yeah, I, I totally, I totally get that. Like, it's just, it's building that, that repetition and that, I know who you are situation. Yep. Yep. Exactly. This person is consistent. Because like true story, I think you can agree to this too. When we first got in the game, you tried to impress these new comedians and they were, they were pricks. They just didn't want to know you. It was hard to get like acquainted with the senior guys because they looked at us as they knew, but I didn't know this. They knew the fact that you're just a seasonal comic. You're coming in just because somebody told you it's funny. You're going to give it, you're going to get in the game. You're going to give it up within five or six months and we're never going to see you again. So why get to know you? And so there's a screening process that everybody does that you got to muscle through for them to say, okay, maybe this guy's not a fly by night. Maybe he's not a seasonal comic. He's going to be in the game. And and it happens every year. We'll get an influx of comics that come in they get on stage and they, they get their dose of reality. Some of them make it through. Some of them don't. Yeah. I, I try to be cordial. I don't, I don't make, I, I will make fun of every comic. I do that for everybody. Basically. I, I try to split, spread that around just the, I was like bullying to me in comedy realm is a sign of respect. Yeah. And so I try to, I try to show that respect and common courtesy and things like that. But when they just start asking, you know, okay, so how is, how does this, you know, turn into gigs? It's, it's hard. It's hard to explain because I was like, it's not that easy. It's just one of those things where you'll kind of discover who you are and 
the more you do this, you learn about yourself and not just the people around you. Yep. Yep. And it's a muscle. You never stop working. Like we've done, like I said, Orlando, Orlando, uh, West Palm and Naples. And each area we did was different. And each area required a different type. So knowing your audience and being able to evolve, like Naples is a more ritzy area. So um, some of the, the grimier jokes won't resonate. And so you you get that dead silence on certain things and you're like, okay, I got to adjust to it. So it's a muscle. Yeah. And it's just, it's hard. And unfortunately you just got to keep working at it and you got to eventually yep. try to, to break through that and, you know, get better. It's a Rubik's cube. <laughs> That's what it is. It's just right place at the right time. But are you, mm-hmm. are you ready at the time at that right time to, to show out? If you're just, if you get an opportunity and you haven't been working, then, yeah. then chances are that opportunity is probably not going to pan out the way you thought it was. Right. Yeah. And a lot of times your peers and your friends can see things better than you do because you're biased. A lot of times you feel you're ready and you're not. Yeah. And you just have, it, it's hard to be, it's hard to be subjective and to look at that. Yep. 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 It is. That was one of the hardest things I had to do as a comic is actually just sit down and say to myself, we're not ready because <laughs> it's just yeah. because you want to be your ego. You feel things in, you only have a limited exposure. You don't have the opportunities of stage time that you do as a working comic. And so in that limited exposure, like I feel like I'm doing just as well as my peers. Yeah. But then you go and watch your peers on a weekend and it's just eye opening. You're like, wow, that's. Yep. And so I totally get that. Like it's, yep. one of, it's one of those things where you just, that's, kind of as a booker that's what i want is i want people to be like i don't understand why this person gets booked at you know when they see them at open mics i don't i don't get it and then when they come see them at the club oh wow i need to go back to work this guy's killing it yeah yeah that's the thing about it if you see me at open mic uh i'm working new jokes and so there's a good chance i may suck i may even what people say bomb because it's open mic and that's where you go to bomb. Open mic is where you test to see how strong your ideas and your premises were. That's the gym. Open mic is the gym for comics. And, uh, but you have to take that risk and push the envelope because we'll get so comfortable with the bit that we know that works well that we start not liking to push the envelope to do um, fresh new material. Yeah. And uh, that's something I always... I always do like I even when I'm working weekends, I will I'll throw I'll throw something, especially if the crowd is a lighter side on the lighter side, like it's not super full. Yeah. Yeah. Let's start pepper, trying to pepper in new bits here and there and just and just kind of, you know, throw them out there and throw things in different order. I don't want to ever feel like I I did this joke. Now I have to do the next joke. Yeah. I want to yeah. be able to I want to be able to almost stop anywhere in my my material change gears yes. without it looking yes. like oh I'm changing gears. I just I right. love I right. love that ability because I've I've watched old comics sometimes that were just to have the same 
you know, that all over and over and over. And I'm like, how, yeah. <laughs> how yeah. have you, how, how, what do you, how are you keeping this? How would you want to keep this fresh? Cause at some point you've got to be tired of saying it. I feel like it, you're, you're not tired of saying that the same way, the same way over and over again. Yep. Cause I had, I had a bit that I used to tell and I got tired of telling it. I didn't know I was tired of telling it, but I wasn't getting, I wasn't getting laughs. And uh, and I it used to kill, and a friend of mine, I think it was CJ, he was like, "Yeah, because you're you're reciting it. You're not telling the joke anymore. You're just reciting it. And it's the difference between actually telling a joke or actually performing the joke. Because sometimes you go, you do a joke so many times, you go to autopilot, <laughs> and you just you just go on autopilot, just reciting it, but you're not feeling the joke. All it's an improv helped me understand that." You have a very interesting fear because as a performer, we all we all go through it, but it's very interesting. Go ahead and tell the listeners what you're afraid of. Uh, this used to be a fear of mine. It's not anymore, but this 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 fear here was bombing in front of family. Um, that was uh, one of the things because, you know, we got people that support us and love us mm-hmm. and support you. And then you got people like the people that say the little snot comments that say, you still doing that comedy thing? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that means so much in that little statement they just said. What they're basically saying is when you're going to grow out of that that little kiddish dream you got, you know, those little backhanded compliments that people give you. So you got people that's, that want to come support you and see you. And you got others that want to see you not do well. Yeah. And, you know, and so it's just that fear of getting on stage and performing and driving that point home. See, told you one shit. Yeah. Well, it's it's and it's just so intimidating. I hate performing in front of family. I I love my family and I I love it when they come see me, but I don't want to know you're there. Right. Right. Especially sitting front stage. Yeah. (laughs) If I see you there, then yeah. And I've had the luxury of performing for my family when it's just my family, like at at home and at a comedy show. They've made me perform in front of them. And it. Wow. Yeah. It's. It's just, it's super, it's, it's unlike anything because yes, they want you to do well, but man, I have so much personal investment with all of you. And if this, if this, if you don't like what I'm doing, this is going, this is, this is kind of like, you know, almost borderline traumatizing, but yeah. Oh yeah. But they also came to a club in Houston, my my dad's side of the family, and they were the only audience members for about 95% of the show. Wow. And so, yes, it was, I thought maybe, okay, we'll be, you know, 20, 30, see, you know, people will be there. Nope. They were the only ones that showed up. And luckily, by the time I went up, there was more people in the showroom because there was another show that was going to come up. And so they were kind of flooding in. Mm-hmm. So that helped, I guess, buoy me and not make me feel like, oh, I'm just doing this. You know, you guys, ha- this is, I'm doing it for an empty room 98% of the time. Yeah. Like, like they don't live in, if they lived in Dallas, I wouldn't, you know, I'd invite them to hyenas or something like that to come watch. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it's super intimidating and it's, and again, like you said, because they're the people that they they enjoy that you're doing it, but they don't believe that you're that you can do anything with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And 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 I think that's that's more to me now. I kind of look at it like that's more um, self-inflicted, uh, self-conscious things we put on ourselves that we shouldn't put on ourselves. Because um, at the end of the day, what does it matter? If like worst case scenario, I tell people now, they say, "Man, I couldn't get on stage because what if I bomb?" And I say, "Now, what if you do bomb? What's the worst case scenario? You wake up the next day, you go to work." And things are okay. Well, I kind of, to me, I want, to me, they're, they're, it's kind of, I, I look at it in baseball. Like, baseball has this thing. I don't know if you watch baseball or not. But you know, they, they, have, they have these statistics now called true outcomes. So in baseball, a true outcome is you either score or you get an out. So it's either like a home run or a strikeout or... Mm-hmm. Or a ground out. It's it's a home. It's either a point or it's an out. It's nothing in between. It's not like a hit. It's not a single, a double, or triple. It is, and so I kind of want. I I would love for my stuff to be a true outcome, so I could get a good read on my material. Because I I would I'd much rather I'd rather bomb than do what I consider is kind of okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. Right. I would rather be great or awful. I'd rather like to know just that clearly because when it's in that in-between area, I'm like, I don't know what's wrong. Is it the, is it the joke itself? Is it the what I'm doing with the joke? There's so many different variables. Yeah. When right. It, when right. It's just it's that in-between this year. Yeah. That's, that's where I always struggle. Yeah. 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 I understand that. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. I've, I feel like it's like, okay, like you want a clear definition because a lot of times like we are worst critic and what we do is we measure ourselves to the best show we ever had. So we measure ourselves always to that. And if we don't perform to that octave, we're like, oh, I mean, what's wrong with my set? What did I do wrong when everybody else in Georgia said, oh, great job, great job. I'm like, but we're beating ourselves up because now, mm-hmm. which is unfair to us. Because there's a lot of things played into that great set. Um, the room, for instance, <laughs> the people in that room, um, the type of people, um, the, the the demographics of that room. Um, and so it's just one of the things where sometimes you got to like on an open mic. If you had people laughing at open mic and like it was sputtering and stuff like that, I'm like, you had a win because this is open mic. Because I've had people get you know mad at open mic like, yeah, I only got a few laughs. I'm like, dude, it's open mic. A lot of times it's majority conference. <laughs> so, um, and they're thinking about their own set. So you can't really, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm wondering how many great bits have died on the open mic floor. Yeah. Because people didn't get the, because people didn't get the response they wanted. So they did it, the joke, when it just was like, it was just presented at the wrong time. And for me, again, when it's full of comics, I get, I get nervous too. Cause then I'm like, man, this could be a really mean joke. Because yep. comics are just, you have to, re- to get entertained comics, you have to kind of, again, push the boundaries. And when you push too far, that's when comics find it funny because it's so, it's so, so much of an extreme. And so right. I always worry if only comics laugh, if man, maybe I've just written something that's super, like I have a joke about online dating where it talks about women talking about how tall they are in heels. And I say, you know what yeah. else you are in heels is alone. And I open mic <laughs> that destroys. It's funny. It gets great laughs. It's like, ooh, burn. Yeah. But 
and 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 in front of an audience, it may get a different response. And um, and I just think I think it's to me, comedy is establishing a relationship with the audience. Okay. Um, I I think you have about three. I say no. I say one to two minutes to establish a permanent connect. If you establish a permanent connect with them, the world is yours. Any joke you tell, they're gonna ride with. Um, and if you got intermittent connection with them, you're gonna get that sputtering laugh. So laugh here, laugh there, laugh here. They just they they haven't trust you all the way, but mm-hmm. they're gonna listen to you. Or you can turn them off totally, and that's when you go to the bomb section where we don't really want to hear anything you gotta say. But yeah, it, I get what you're saying about the fear, though. I do totally, like I totally relate to that. Like I, I we're all performers, and we want our we want our best all the time. Like even when I'm then there's strangers there. If I bomb, I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna go ahead and not be anywhere people can see me. <laughs> yep, yeah. But when you when you when you kill, you out in the shine. You're like, hey, hey, yeah. look at me, look at me. <laughs> but you have to embrace it all, and that's the thing about it. And, and so uh, you know. I, you have to embrace, uh, you know, the good with the bad. I mean, yesterday I had a great set, both sets, but um, I had a moment where I wish I could take back because I hit the mic stand and the mic stand fell and fell down in, in in the crowd, and that interrupted my set. I was able to make a joke out of it, but that was embarrassing for me because I'm like, you're a professional. You shouldn't. Mic stand should have been further back. But these are things sometimes you you don't think about or whatever, and it just it catches you off guard. And it you know, and as a professional. You beat yourself up about it, but and but you learned a lesson too. It's like, okay, all right, now I know that'll never happen again because I'm gonna make sure that mic stands behind me. Yeah, that yeah, definitely that mic stand thing. I just I always struggle just with like material because I always as somebody that despises like some of the things that my I'm as a Caucasian man, some of the some of the despicable things that my predecessors and counterparts you know do i'm always afraid of like urban rooms always scare me like i i always get afraid because i i i just as a as a white comic i always feel like sometimes like maybe i get too if i get too comfortable and i say something that i don't mean in the way it's presented like i always fear like in my gps joke i took it out it used to it, my gps bit at the end i would say like I, I wish my gps had awareness and a hint of racism and i've taken the hint of racism out of it and just talked about like being in a bad neighborhood it's like because i was like we're all when we're scared of something that racism is just fear right i always uh you know i thought you know that's that's harmless, but at the same time, I don't like doing it in a strictly urban room because I feel like as soon as I say racism, I feel I always felt like maybe I'm going to be, you know, they're just going to tune out the rest of the punchline and just hear racism. And I. Yeah, I get that. I get that. And I think and, and that's where I go back to about establishing that connection with the audience. I think once you got them on your side, they give you a kind of a pass to get mm-hmm. and say what you want to say, because like I've been wanting to run this new bit for the last two months. And I'm like, if I feel a connection with them, I'll tell it. But when I get on the stage, I'm like, I got them laughing, but I don't feel that because something, you know, when you got them in your hand, yeah. like, but I just didn't, I haven't felt comfortable enough to run this bit because it's, to me, it's a risky bit, but I think it's hilarious and genius, but it just, the confidence level has to be there because if you don't tell it with confidence, the audience, especially the urban audience will read that, read you like a book. And, and deem you as artificial. And so it's like, until you're ready to be 100% behind it, 
because I think um, uh, I forget the guy's name, but uh, the white comic that entertains Urban Rules all the time, um, you know, he goes in, he goes in and they give him all the love because they look at it at, as look at the confidence because you get a pass, <laughs> you get a pass as being to me walking into an Urban Room being white. They're going to look at you like, look at the confidence on this guy to walk in. We're going to give him about two to three minutes to see what he got. We want to hear what he got to say. And if you win them over, they're yours. Yeah. But, but it's a proving ground. Yeah, I totally, I totally, it's, yeah, it's absolutely a proving ground. And it yep. is, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things too, again, like you said, with sets, it's the, it's it even, you know, just regular material. But when you get to that, that boundary pushing material, because we were talking about like regular yeah. material, I don't want to do the same set, but you all, but then you yeah. all, you also have that temptation of staying in that safety net of doing well. And yep. let's, let's not let's not do something that maybe, you know, could potentially backfire and then, you know, get back to the guy that's booking me. Hey, mm -hmm. so-and-so said this and the crowd, you know, completely turned on him. I don't know if you want to keep booking this guy because he's out yeah. here talking about, you know, certain things and it's a hot topic. I've said, I've had comics I started with like have, yeah. have bits where it, it literally started a fight in the showroom. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because because yeah. it was borderline, it was kind of uh, it was a it was a fun bit about you know another race and some people were very pro against that and then the other the group of that group was also in the room and they were pro against they were very against it in it and both of them got into a table shouting match and you know they got but they had had to get clear the room and that's why I feel that you got to do your homework as a comic um, and so that's why I'm real careful about the bits I pick how I tell them and making mm -hmm. sure I'm ready. But sometimes you can't pre prepare for certain outbursts of hecklers because you don't know what's on people's mind or what people are yeah. going through. And so, cause um, at, I'm at the off the hook comedy club here in uh, Naples and, and uh, the manager here was telling me about a guy that got upset about a joke and pulled a knife on, put a knife on the manager. Mm -hmm. Luckily the manager that runs it is like a, he's like a, a black belt and he was explaining, he had it on video. The guy had a sling on and he pulled a knife out and tried to like slit his throat and he blocked it and did a wrestling move and put him to the ground. It's like, you don't know what's going through these people's mind. And so it's kind of like, you gotta tell that joke. It's like threading a needle. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what it is. It's, it's threading a needle, uh, walking up to that line, but not walking too far across the line that you can't recover. But once they love you, they get that line moves up a little bit. That mind, that line moves. Same thing. If you're not doing well, that line moves back further. And so it's just knowing how to adjust with that line. And w once you're in that rhythm, uh, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. And uh, how do you, how, and like, unfortunately, like, say, what do you think is the, like, how did you get over the fear of that? Like, how did you get over the fear of, I guess, bombing or, you know, having, I, having that visibility in the room? I, 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 ha I had enough shows under my belt mm -hmm. to know that, dude, you're funny. Yeah. You're funny. But you got to realize, just like you have a bad day at work, you're going to have a night where you're like, whoo, I wish I could take that moment back. Or why am I doing comedy? I just want to quit this. Maybe this is not for me. Those are normal thoughts of a comic. And if you haven't had those thoughts, you're not, I don't think you've been in the game long. Yeah. I was going to say same thing. It's like the only thing I found to cure that is stage time is that until, until you are okay with what's going on up there, 
you'll you you're, you're it's always going to be a fear because you until you're up there and you're okay with whatever comes and that you kind of basically have i guess a level of acceptance and self-forgiveness in those situations because when you're early on you take you take them on the chin and you it really you, you put way more importance on them than they should a bad set is yep. not and it's such a it, it becomes such a a mood and just a game you know just something that you just harbor yeah i agree 100 percent appreciate you doing this mj uh where can people find you if they were wanting to check out your comedy and uh they can check out my website is uh mj moody uh comedy.com uh i you can find me on instagram i am i am mj moody uh, you can also uh, look me up on YouTube. Just type in MJ Moody on YouTube. You'll find me there uh, for, for shows. Go to my website. All right. Well, good luck tonight and on the rest of your tour for Florida and enjoy enjoy the away from Dallasness. And I guess, do you kind of do like I do? I kind of turn them into mini vacations because I have a day job. So I'm like, let me go out and sample some, oh, of, yeah. the, some of the best restaurants here. What, what's the good eats and stuff like that? Like I, yep. will, I will go see yep. sites and everything else. I'm a I'm in front of a whiskey bar as we speak. Okay, well, <laughs> bon appetit, and I guess I'll talk to you when you get back. I appreciate it, Ryan. You take care of yourself. So that was MJ. What a super relatable fear having to deal with loved ones and people you care about and opinion that really matters to you being in the audience and then to have that feeling of the, everything going off the rails and, you know, just kind of no control over the outcome. It's terrifying. It, it, I can't describe how much it is, especially when you talk about the fear of public speaking. So you're putting yourself out there. And while you're putting yourself out there, you're also failing in front of people that you care about most. But yet, but I'm glad that, you know, just the only thing you can do is just to, you know, keep working on your preparation and know that even though it didn't work this time, that there's always going to be a next time. It's not, as I always say, it's an opportunity, not the opportunity. So just keep plugging at it, whatever you do, and you'll just get better and better. And those moments will will get better in time. Make sure you follow MJ Moody at I am MJ Moody at social media as well as mjmoodycomedy.com for all upcoming shows for MJ and stuff like that. As for me, I performed in Jefferson, Texas. Um, it was a fun show, and we had a great time. I met with Daryl Felsberg. We had a, an okay show. The pasta was amazing. Jefferson's a great small town if you're in the Texas area and you want to go for a day away. Check out Jefferson, Texas. It's got some really cool stuff going on. As for me, next week I will be at the Dallas Comedy Club on Friday night and with uh, in their banger showcase with Fonzo Crow and Emily Griefer, as well as uh, some other comics. The 19th I will be at the Addison Improv with Derek Jack and friends. And then that weekend, Friday and Saturday, I'll be performing with Rob Little in the Hyenas Dallas location. Then 527 and 528 I'll be with April Macy. So check those out. We got some other shows hopefully upcoming for the summertime. I put some put some feelers out there on Instagram and so far it's been surprisingly well. Like I is it viral sensation? No, but it's more than I thought it would be. And so I just keep plugging away at that and just 
trying to get better and trying to, you know, also get better recordings and other things as well. It's just a, it's always a constant struggle, you know, comedy and stuff like that to try and get better and show how good you can be. Thanks again for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. If you like what you hear, leave a review on any, whatever you listen to podcasts. And if you have any feedback for the show, email somefearfans at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. Have a wonderful week. And now some thank yous for the folks that make this show possible. Thanks to Barry Whitewater for my art and graphics. You can follow him on Instagram at bwhiteh2o. Get it? H2O like water. You can also follow him on Facebook. Music. A huge thank you to Gunnar Olson for the wonderful music provided for this podcast. You can follow him on Instagram at gunbuns. That's G-U-N-B-U-N-S. As well as his website, gunnarolson.net. Check out some of the samples that he has recorded. They're amazing. He's an amazing percussionist. If you want to follow the show, we've got a Facebook group, Some of All Fears. Instagram, Twitter, you can find us at Some Fear Fans. If you have some feedback for the show, email me at somefearfans, S-O-M-E-F-E-A-R-F-A-N-S at gmail.com. I'll be happy to, to take those into consideration. Also, if you'd like to be a guest, email me at somefearfans at gmail.com. We can try to iron out some details and get that settled in. You know, give us some feedback if on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review. It makes the show bigger, and it's not going anywhere. I'm going to record as many shows as I possibly can. If you want to follow me on social media, I am at Ryan Perio. It's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O on all social media platforms. You can follow me there. And you can check me out at ryanperio.com, my website. I'll try to list upcoming shows there as well. It's been kind of spotty because as soon as I set it up, that's when the pandemic happened. And everything's kind of just in a, in a holding pattern. Thanks again for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. Next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.